the Gilda's maximum lawyers community of legal entrepreneurs who are taking their businesses and lives to the next level. As a Guild member, you'll build relationships, be held accountable, and learn strategies specifically designed to get you unstuck and accelerate your plan for growth. Members are also granted exclusive access to masterminds hosted around the country. Our next event is coming up, and we're heading to Scottsdale, Arizona. There's something truly magical about the power of these in-person connections where real-time breakthroughs happen. Picture this. You're surrounded by like-minded law firm owners tackling your business and mindset challenges together. The energy is electric, the insights are transformative, and the results are game-changing. Investing in yourself is the best decision you'll ever make. The knowledge, strategies, and breakthroughs you'll gain are priceless assets that will supercharge your practice and propel you forward. Join the Guild and secure your ticket to Scottsdale at the best possible price by visiting maxlawevents.com. Run your law firm the right way. This is the Maximum Liar Podcast. Maximum Liar Podcast. Your hosts, Jim Hacking and Tyson Mutrix. Let's partner up and maximize your firm. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. I'm Jim Hacking. And I'm Tyson Mutrix. What's up, Jimbo? Tyson's laughing because I've done that intro differently every single time today when we've been recording, so I'm being a little bit silly. Yeah, I love it. Hey, man, bring it. I like the, I like the enthusiasm. So this is uh, this is our last podcast of the day. It's going to be a really, really good one. And we are going to introduce Lauren Lester. Lauren is a solopreneur who supports clients in Colorado through life's milestones with her estate and family law firm, Lester Law. She graduated from the University of Florida and earned her law degree from Georgia State University. Lauren is passionate about the business of law and helping lawyers build profitable practices they love. She co-founded a different practice, which develops practical resources for ditching the legal profession, antiquated approach, and optimizing your law firm for growth and enjoyment. You can learn more at adifferentpractice.com. Lauren, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. So Lauren, tell us a little bit about your history from maybe law school till up until now. Maybe introduce yourself to the people who haven't met you before. Yeah, law is a second career for me, actually. I graduated from undergrad and spent about a decade in the web development space. So I was a project manager for a long time and then decided that I wanted to change careers. And ultimately, I always wanted to own my own business and be an entrepreneur. And so I actually took a career assessment quiz on Google because I had no idea what my entrepreneur life would look like. And I Googled basically what should I do with my life or my career and stumbled across this questionnaire that told me I should either be a social worker or an attorney. And I had never thought about being an attorney. I frankly didn't feel like I fit in with attorneys. They were really aggressive. Most of them aren't very nice. But I thought, oh, well, I certainly could have my own business if I went into the law. And so I gave myself a year in law school and said, if I hate it, I'll find something else, uh, but ended up loving it and graduated in 2015 and opened my law firm right after graduation. Having had that business background and experience, I felt pretty confident from that angle and really just surrounded myself with some mentors on the substantive side. And I've been doing it ever since. I run a family law and estate planning practice, as you said. 
I do everything on a flat fee and really just try and help folks better navigate the legal system. Yeah, I find this really interesting because a lot of times you hear attorneys trying to escape the profession, which I think is sad, but you went the other way around. And so what was that, what was that change like? To come into the legal profession as a second career? Yeah. It was more enjoyable than I thought it would be. I got to meet folks who were not the stereotypical attorney. So I think that the public, when you're not in the profession, sees law and order or Judge Judy and thinks all lawyers are sort of like that. We're all litigators and big personalities. Uh, And so when I went back to law school, I went part time. So I met a lot of folks who had second careers, who had families, and they were all lovely. So I really loved that community. I loved the law. I loved being a student of the law. And it really did give me the opportunity to work with clients, which I always wanted. I didn't want to be a transactional attorney and sort of just push paper all the time. I I wanted to have a business that interacted with the consumer. Um, So it really was a good fit. I certainly have had my challenges being in the real world as a professional and have definitely come across those opposing counsels who fit that traditional narrative and stereotype. But for the most part, it's really been a great experience and I'm, I'm so glad I took the plunge. And so did you go out on your own right away? You started your firm right away? No, I started it right away. When I was graduating law school, I knew that ultimately that's where I wanted to go. And when I started asking folks, like, should I do it right away? Should I work for another person? Should I be an associate? A lot of folks who were associates gave me the feedback that they didn't really learn how to run their own business being an associate. They just sort of learned how to work under someone. And that wasn't my ultimate goal. So I thought, well, I've got a business background. I'll just take the plunge and I can always go be an associate if it doesn't work out on my own, but started right out of law school on my own. So tell us a little bit more about the yeah, your other, I don't know if you're calling it a side gig or what you would call it, but was this the plan all along to have this co- you know coaching side of the business long term? Are you planning to, to focus just on that? But tell us about that part of it. Yeah, so different practice grew organically as I was entering into the profession, trying to build a business that I would actually be a consumer of. I realized really early on that if I wanted to be a client of my own law firm, billing by the hour and not being able to give folks kind of what the price is going to be wouldn't work for me. And so I started building a business around that mindset. And I just got a lot of questions and folks who were interested in, well, how do you do that? And how do you possibly do flat fees with family law, which has all of these variables and there's litigation. And it was really important to me to build a business that supported my lifestyle. So when I started, I didn't have them, but now I have two young kids. So I wanted to build something where I wasn't working 12 hours a day, seven days a week that I could come and be home with them and take them to school. So I only work four days a week right now. So I would just get a lot of questions of like, how do you do that? How is that practically possible and how do you earn money and so I my business partner and I would get in these conversations with folks and at the time uh, she was running a legal incubator up in Chicago so she was also around a lot of attorneys who were trying to build a practice that looked a little bit different than the traditional model so it really started organically with getting a lot of questions and saying well let's just put some resources out for folks who maybe want to practice differently and build a law firm that was optimized for growth and enjoyment and really supported their well-being 
So that's really where it started. It's about four years now that we've been doing it. We've offered a lot of different resources, including the pricing toolkit, which helps folks incorporate value-based pricing into their law firms. But it really has just been an answer to all of the questions that I've gotten over the years. What is your favorite thing about running the law firm and what is your least favorite thing about running the law firm? My favorite thing is certainly the autonomy and freedom that I have. I like the creativity of it. I like being able to pivot. I really love the entrepreneurship of it. So I listen to a lot of podcasts and read a lot of books just about business. And I like being able to say, wow, that's a really cool idea that they're doing in this plumbing business that I heard about on a podcast. How can I incorporate that into my law firm and don't feel like I need to run that up the pole or get approval from anybody? So I like being able to have that freedom and autonomy over my time and my business. My least favorite part is actually opposing counsel most of the time. So I actually shifted a couple of years ago to the services that I provide today to get away from some of that. Certainly in family law, especially, it can be pretty toxic and volatile and conflict ridden. So that was really the worst part for me that took a pretty big toll on just my mental health and well-being. And so again, the use the good part of being able to pivot to address that issue and pivot the business where I wasn't having to engage as much with that type of negativity but still being able to serve clients through that space. So I want to get back to something you said previously, and you said that basically other people were asking you, hey, how how are you able to do this? So what are some pointers you have to solo attorneys or, or attorneys just starting out to help them really just capitalize on their productivity and really get things started on the right foot? Yeah, I am a literal solo. I don't have a paralegal. I don't have a legal assistant. And so for me, tech has been my right and left arms and legs. I mean, I I really run the law firm through tech and try and make it as efficient as possible. So in the beginning, that was just a slow transition. I didn't get all of the technology at once. I didn't have the revenue coming in to support it. But I would say for anyone starting out, really trying to identify where those inefficiencies are or those tasks that you're doing 10 times a day, whether or not they take 20 seconds, is an opportunity to be able to use some technology to either remove that, automate it, make it so that it takes one second, or you just don't even have to think about it. That has really transformed my practice and including value-based pricing and all of the flat fees, like the more efficient I can be while still delivering quality service to the client only increases my profit margin. And so that only makes the business grow. What do lawyers get wrong on that? I mean, we have a lot of people that say, I'm too busy handling these cases to build out the systems. Uh, how, I mean, it, it seems to me like you sort of began with the end in mind and said, this is what I want to design and then made sure that you didn't get overwhelmed with cases so that you would have the time to build that out. Exactly. Yeah, there was definitely a balance there. I had the fortune in the beginning of not having a lot of clients. So certainly somebody who has a thriving practice, it's going to be a lot more challenging. But even now, I would run into that issue where it is running on all cylinders. And for me, it's just identifying what the big task is if I need to create document automation or something that's going to be a pretty good investment in time. And really blocking out time in my calendar to say, you know, every week I can dedicate an hour to this and it's It's going to be Thursdays from four to five and really protecting that at all costs and then slowly chipping away at it so that it's less overwhelming as a big task, but also does get done slowly but surely. I mean, I just 
my mind's blown whenever we have someone that's on that's a, a true solo because it's I mean it just to me it just seems so hard to uh, to do but uh, kudos to you that's that's fantastic I'm glad you're you're able to leverage the tech and everything something that it's it's kind of been on my mind lately is just how personal life and business life bleeds into each other so how do you what's your tips to people on managing that I'm really I'm a really strong advocate for my own time uh, and it's really hard it was really hard and still is sometimes hard but I say try and say no more than I say yes and so it's really important to me for example to get some exercise or go to the gym every morning and so after I drop my kids off I have an hour at the gym and there certainly have been times where a client has said I really need to chat or I really need to get this thing done and it would be very easy to go well I technically don't have any work tomorrow at 9.30, so I guess I'll squeeze you in. And outside a true emergency, which I certainly would handle a bit differently. I really just say, you know, the first availability I have is 1030 or 11. And they don't need to know that the reason is because I'm going to go to the gym and work out so that I can serve them as well as I can. But it's really protecting that time and identifying what is important to me during the week to have time for and blocking out time for that and not letting the requests that come in every day take that up. You're listening to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. Our guest today, attorney Lauren Lester, she's a true solo. Lauren, what do you think has been a key to your success as far as, do you feel like you're growing? Do you feel like you're right where you want to be? Have you said to yourself, I need this many cases and that's what I want? You, you seem to be very disciplined. I like the saying no more than yes. I, I like that a lot. Have you sort of predicted your growth and set what you want to happen and then just sort of be happy with that? Or, or how, how do you deal with the number of cases that you have each month? Yeah. So the first couple of years, I was not great at this. Probably starting in 2019, I read Profit First by Mike Michalowicz just to try and get a better sense of my finances. And that certainly helped me do that. But really what it started was put in motion being able to know exactly what the revenue is likely to be and know what levers I can pull if I need to slow down or if I want to ramp up. Uh, so at this point, my numbers can tell me how many consultations I need to have in a month. I know what the average sale is going to be and I know what my target revenue is. And so it's really easy for me to say, oh, I haven't quite made it this month. It's the 15th. If I just open up up four more spots in the next two weeks, I know that the numbers are typically going to work out based on history. So at this point, yes, it's pretty easy for me to set a revenue goal. I've exceeded my goal for this year as of yesterday. So now I've hit a new goal for 2023. And it's really just because the train is in a pretty good space and the mechanism for it, I've been able to use data to make those decisions and know historically, if I pull this lever or add these consults, that are you tired of the marketing guessing game? Does your website feel more like a digital billboard than a client magnet? If you're nodding along, you're not alone. And it's time to stop the uncertainty and start getting real results. Let's talk about your marketing spend. Are you just shelling out money every month and crossing your fingers? Do you ever wonder what impact your marketing is really having on your revenue? Well, it's time to take the guesswork out of the equation with Rise Up Media. We've been working with them for over a year, and the feedback from our fellow members has been fantastic. Rise Up Media is here to take your marketing to the next level. They'll even perform a full audit of your online presence, giving you the good, the bad, 
and even let you in on what your competition is up to that you're missing out on. And the best part, there's no obligation, no catch, no pressure. If you decide to work with them, their contracts are month to month. That's right. No long-term commitments tying you down. So what are you waiting for? To learn more about how Rise Up Media can transform your firms, visit riseupmedia.com forward slash maxlaw, and rise is spelled with a Z. riseupmedia.com forward slash maxlaw. I'm going to get the results that I'm looking for. So I want to get your thought on something because we have, we have a lot of people that just want to be, you know, small firm lawyers and that's fine. We have people, we, we, you know, stage one, stage two, stage three, Jim and I talk about that. And sometimes people want to be stage three, stage four, stage five lawyers. So they want to have the big, the big law firms from a profitability standpoint. Have you seen any trends when it comes to profitability for, for a stage one lawyer, that's like a true solo versus like a stage three lawyer where they've got several people underneath them. Because I, I, I do wonder about that sometimes, because I think if you do optimize things, you could make a lot of profit if it's just you, you know, like you really could, cause you don't have the overhead, but have you, have you ever dug into that to see where, where maybe the cutoff is? It's something I've definitely been flirting with and certainly have got a lot of questions of like, wow, it's going so great. Aren't you going to grow? My initial inclination was no, I'm, I'm happy being on my own, not having any employees, but I do see the opportunity there and the opportunity to take the model and to be able to either kind of franchise it with some others or bring in some associates to run under the same system. So I haven't done it personally, but I know that my business partner in her experience with running the legal incubator up in Chicago, did work with attorneys who were also started out small, who used a flat fee and who built teams out and were still able to be very successful doing that. So I think there is a way to do it. I think there's a way to systematize it and to still use data. I just personally haven't dug into that, but I'm definitely flirting with the idea. When you meet with lawyers who are sort of frustrated with where they're at and they like the sort of lifestyle that you've built for yourself, how do you set about deconstructing what they have with them and sort of getting them on the right path? It really, for me, a lot starts with pricing. I think a lot of the trouble attorneys have and the mental health and well-being crisis that we have in the profession stems a lot back to the billable hour and the requirements of that, of folks who have really high billable requirements or people who have been in the profession for some time and are not being rewarded with their expertise because it takes them less time to do things, but that's not going to be reflective in their billing the way that they would want to. It's not generating them more revenue. So I think that mindset shift of there's a different way to bill and to practice in terms of providing value to the client, which is what consumers really are buying. They don't buy our time. Getting folks to kind of wrap their heads around that and embrace that is a good, I have found is a good starting point because it just shifts everything in terms of being business folks first who provide legal services versus lawyers who happen to have a business. So even just that small change, when I work with folks, once they can get on board with kind of selling value and value-based pricing, that really tends to flow into all the other areas in terms of efficiency and how they market and what type of clients that they want. And so they can start to really rebuild their practice or build it from the ground up if they're just starting. So I'm a, and I'm on your website and you will offer the the pricing toolkit, which I think is a cool, cool thing. And I mean, it's got things like, you know, selling what clients are buying, a deep dive into value and moving from cost-based pricing to value-based pricing and mindset shift and all that. 
I think it's I think it's an interesting concept. I, I really like it. So you, do you want to talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. So that was uh, in partnership with Chicago Bar Foundation. So Jessica and I wrote that together, just providing attorneys with a free resource and exactly a four step process on how to incorporate value based pricing into their practice so that they actually had a model. It wasn't theoretical. It wasn't esoteric. They could actually plug it into their business. So we talk a lot about value, which is not talked about enough in the legal profession. Any other service industry or industry in general sells value. We hear it as consumers everywhere else. So really trying to incorporate that into what lawyers are doing and then using that to ultimately determine the price that matches what the market values uh, and puts a number on that. And then to see if it works for the business to make sure that it's profitable versus the old approach of I've been practicing X number of years and the attorney down the street charges this. So I guess I'll charge that, which has very little to do with the business and certainly nothing to do with the consumer. So we wanted to provide a really practical resource that attorneys could use for free that allows them to dive more into that if they were interested in value-based pricing. Shifting gears just a little bit, do you have any advice for people that are employing associates sort of of your generation that might want to have more of that lifestyle and not want to be working 80 hours a week? Do you have any advice for people that own law firms that are trying to work with people like that? Yeah, I think understanding what is important to them, and it typically is not sort of being tied to a desk and having more of a an incorporation of their work into their life and trying to build a business around that. Again, I, I just keep coming back to value and that, you know, that associate brings a lot of value to the legal services they provide the consumer, but also to the business itself, really focusing on that value versus the time that they're spending. I read a great book years and years ago that really kind of underscores all of this idea, which is results only work environment row, which talks about that the value of employees is not the time they spend. You know, somebody sitting at a desk for eight hours who doesn't produce based on the benchmarks is not as valuable as an employee who gets their benchmarks hit and does everything that the company is expecting, but maybe they do it in four hours. And so they shouldn't be punished for being able to do it quicker as long as whatever their objectives are for the business as an employee are met. Uh, And so I think that same kind of philosophy really helps with the younger generations who do value more of that work-life balance or blend or however they want to call it. So really being clear with them on these are your objectives as an associate and it's not based on the time that you spend. It's based on other metrics, whatever those might be for the firm, and then being really clear with the associate on that so that they can achieve those. Very good stuff. All right, Lauren, we are up against the time. So we want to be respectful of your time. We are going to start to wrap things up. Before we do that, though, if people want to reach out to you, and if they're interested in a, in a different practice, how do they reach out to you? Yeah, so you can find us on our website, which is a differentpractice.com. You can also email us at hello at a differentpractice.com or connect with us on LinkedIn. I like that. I, I, I like we have we care at mfinjury.com. I really like hello. That's that's a really good one. I may steal that one. That's that's awesome. Please do. That's that's the hack of the week. Yeah, I really like that. Hello. It's just nice and friendly. All right. So we're going to wrap things up before I do. Just remind everyone to join us in the big Facebook group, Search Maximum Lawyer, and you'll be able to find us. Also, join us on YouTube. Subscribe. You'll be able to get our video content there. And if you want to join us in the guild, go to maxlawguild.com. While you're listening to the rest of this episode and hearing our tips and hacks, if you don't mind leaving us a five-star review, we would greatly appreciate it because it helps spread the love to other law firm owners and other attorneys. 
All right, Jimmy, what is your hack of the week? A uh, hack of mine in an earlier episode is to read or listen to Alex Ramosi's book on $100 million leads. But the concept that I want to share with you for my hack of the week comes straight from that book and from Alex. And, you know, as a professional services provider, we've often struggled with this idea of how do we create scarcity or how do we talk about scarcity so that people might have a sense of urgency in signing up. And he explains it in chapter four of the book, and it's it's really sort of mind-blowing. He said, you know, you have a capacity. Your, your firm or your business has the capacity to handle X amount of cases. And he said, too many lawyers or too many business owners don't explicitly say what that limit is. And what you could say is, if you know that you can handle 80 cases a month, that you could know that's 20 cases a week, you can actually say, we only have space to take on 20 or two or three cases a week. So instead of hiding that and, and maybe even fudging it, if you're not really being true to what you think your bandwidth actually is, that once you know what your bandwidth actually is, that you can sort of put that in your marketing and say, hey, we can only take on five new personal injury cases a month. And once we hit our five for the month, you're going to have to wait till the next month. So it's sort of a, a nice way that's authentic and not, you know, cheesy. Hey, everything will go by Friday at five o'clock. You know, it's not like that. It's something that's legit and it's, it's transparent and it's honest. And I think it's, it's, it's brilliant really. I like it uh, on the audiobook, Does he read the audiobook? Yeah. Oh, nice. Okay, cool. I have to check it out. That's um, I'm excited. All right, Lauren. So we always ask our guests to give a tip or hack of the week. What you got for us? So one of my favorite tech tools that I probably use 50 times a day is Text Expander. It just allows me to create little snippets to put in text that I constantly am writing. So like I talked about before, all of those little inefficiencies where even just writing out acronyms, which we use in legal all the time, but the client doesn't understand or ending emails with let me know if you have any questions. Um, I've just created little snippets to be able to easily insert those across across all different platforms from email to web browser to different applications. And I don't know what I would do without text expander. It saves me so much time. Love it. Very good. There are several people that have mentioned uh, uh, text expander and Ryan, I think Ryan McKean is like one of those people that is just, he just loves text expander, but very cool. All right. For my tip of the week, I have been with my videos actually having a script, a little bit more scripted, not hundred percent stick to the script, but I do have more of a script nowadays. And even whenever I'm doing our firm podcast, I like to have that little bit there and it scrolls. And I found one that actually works pretty well. You have to pay for it, but it's, it's the, I, I know that there's an Apple one or uh, one for map for Mac, but I don't know about for PCs, but it's called just called teleprompter is all it's called. And the, the price is minimal. I don't, I don't, I don't remember exactly what it is. It's minimal, but it is pretty handy. It's, 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 it's very simple copy and paste the text and boom, it's in there and it's, it's pretty easy to use and it scrolls. You can change the speeds. You can do a lot of different things with it, but I do like it quite a bit. Teleprompter. All right, Lauren, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. Got a lot of good information and just really enjoy, enjoy it. And thank you for sharing. Absolutely. Thanks to both of you. I had a great time. Thanks, Lauren. Thanks for listening to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. To stay in contact with your hosts and to access more content, go to MaximumLawyer.com. Have a great week and catch you next time. Hey, it's Jim. 
You can't have any excuses when it comes to smart hiring. In order to grow, you need to delegate and focus on your role as a law firm owner. Get Staffed Up helps you build your all-star team by staffing your law firm with incredible full-time offshore executive assistants, legal assistants, marketing assistants, and much more. Their VA's mission and job is to put time back on your plate. Visit www.getstaffedup.com forward slash maxlaw. Sign up and they'll find you the top 1% of English-speaking virtual assistants in Latin America.